Hi everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts from Property Apprentice. Join me today for the Week in Review, where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Our topics for this week, which, sorry for it being a little bit late, our first topic is an article from One Roof, published on the 14th of June. Buyers and sellers will remain scared until next year. Second topic today is on stuff. 14th of June, home buyers well and truly in the driver's seat, trade me says. Topic number three, one roof, 15th of June, Tony Alexander, who will be first to grab the house price bargains? And fourth topic, landlords.co.nz on the 15th of June, housing market continues to take a battering. And last but not least, also on landlords.co.nz on the 13th of June, landlords should be focusing on higher yields. So we've got some pretty cool subjects to talk about today. So we'll start with the first one on one roof on the 14th of June. Buyers and sellers will remain scared until next year. Property experts are optimistic that house values may not fall as hard or for long as initially predicted. Speaking at the One Roof Property Panel at Auckland's Ellerslie Racecourse, independent economist Tony Alexander said fear in the property market will prevail towards the end of 2022 and that headlines about rising interest rates will cause people to step back. During the event, he said that people will remain scared and buyers will remain on the sidelines, but at some points, vendors will say, let's get on with our lives and start stepping forward. Alexander said that although he's written down 13 reasons for buyers sitting on their hands, he's contemplating on 18 reasons why those same buyers would be careful not to stay on the, on the sidelines for too long. Property commentator Ashley Church warned that the market could change abruptly, citing that six months ago buyers were experiencing FOMO in a blazing hot market. In his view, interest rates are a major driver for mass sentiment, and if signs will appear that the Reserve Bank has inflation under control much sooner, then that fear will disappear much more quickly than it otherwise would have done. Carmen Vicevich, CEO of Velocity, said that the softening in the market was not found in all regions in New Zealand and that reports of decreases in house values and sales volumes can only be seen in a few areas. She said part of the reason why the slowing down hasn't happened in other regions is due to the lockdown. People have decided they're not satisfied living in their homes and came up with the decision to buy property in other areas. Her predictions for house values to fall nationally between 10% to 15%, but said it's also important to take into account at which end of the market the declines are happening. However, Veselich said there would be more pain to come as about 60% of people have to refix their interest rate in the next 12 months, which meant going from about 2.25% to 4.9%. Veselich and Mortgage Lab Chief Executive Rob Rupert Goff don't expect interest rates to rise above 6%. Goff's advice to those who are anxious with the current market was to continue paying their mortgage because selling a property and getting off the property ladder is the last thing they should do. He added that those who will find it difficult to afford their payments when interest rates increase must make serious changes to their expenses or find ways to increase their income. For some, it may mean getting a second or third job. On the other hand, he believes that those who will still be able to pay their mortgage as though it was 6% will be safe for the next three to four years. Church said the drop in the property market meant it was probably the best time for some would-be homeowners to get on the property market if the changes to the triple CFA last year hadn't closed the door on them. Tony Alexander said that in his mind, 
Auckland was actually a little bit of a buy out there as Auckland's house prices had dipped 10% since peaking in November while warning that the regions had been given an artificial boost and the people who wanted to move there already had. Second topic for today on stuff on 14th of June, home buyers well and truly in the driver's seat, Trade Me says. New data from TradeMe suggests that house prices have decreased in the past month, with the average home dropping in price by a record amount. TradeMe's latest property price index showed that the average asking price was 949700 in May. Although this was up 15% from 12 months ago, it's down 2% from April, which is the biggest monthly drop ever. In regions outside of Auckland, the drop in prices was 1.1% between April and May. TradeMe Property Sales Director Gavin Lloyd said prices often cool a little during the colder months, but last month's data was a first. The property market is changing and is being reflected in every part of the country. The largest decrease was in the West Coast, down by 4.2% month on month, and Southland down by 2.4%. Gisborne and Nelson Tasman did not see drops in prices. Southland, Wellington, Auckland and Northland regions saw the next biggest price drops with their average asking prices all down 2% month on month in May. The Treasury's budget and economic and fiscal update last month showed house prices were expected to rise by 5.8% this year before dropping by 2.5% in 2023. That follows an increase of 29.7% last year. Lloyd said that the availability of more housing options and FOMO leaving the market is taking the pressure off of buyers. Nationwide, the number of properties for sale increased by 48% in May compared to the same time last year. That was, again, the largest percentage jump recorded by TradeMe and resulted in a record-breaking number of listings. Experts also point out that rising interest rates and inflation have contributed to the cooling of the housing market. Realestate.co.nz said sellers were shying away from auctions as the heat was coming off the housing market. So in my opinion, the reason that the housing market slowed down so dramatically so quickly is because of the triple CFA amendments that were introduced on the 1st of December last year. The biggest challenge in the housing market at the moment is being able to get lending approved. So we are expecting the amendments to the amendments to be released on the 7th of July. I'm not expecting that to be a massive relaxing of bank lending criteria, but every little bit is going to help those people who are actively looking for a home or an investment property at the moment. If you want to learn more, join me at one of our free Beginner's Guide to Property Investment events, available either online or in person in our office in Ellerslie in Auckland. Check the dates out on propertyapprentice.co.nz and register today for one of our upcoming sessions. Third topic for this week's review is from One Roof on the 15th of June, Tony Alexander, who will be first to grab the house price bargains. Tony Alexander believes that vendors have not lost hope of selling for what they could have got nine months ago. That's why the number of properties being sold is going to keep falling for probably the rest of this year through towards the middle of 2023. Should the scenario change and vendors become more motivated, first-time buyers will have the most advantage in a market that favours them compared to any other time since the GFC, provided they can get lending. When the pressure to sell increases, 
cashed up investors, those who run their portfolios as a business, tend to buy for yield and only tend to buy or sell on the basis of price and property availability at the cyclical extremes. In other words, not your average mum and dad investors. They'll be seen as the first movers in this part of the cycle. In fact, uh, we're already seeing that and have been pretty much since December. We've had uh, clients of ours who've, who've been with us now for 12 years. Uh, they've all come back into the market now, started to look for, for some deals because we can see that there's some opportunities out there. This time last year, deeply experienced and well-capitalised investors were selling off their lower yielding and more troublesome stock and then building cash reserves for when opportunities would reappear. Uh, last time we saw that happen, just out of interest, last time we saw that happen was about 2005 when people were expecting uh, the property market to tank by about 30%. And we all saw how that played out because those who sold in 2005 waiting for the bottom of the market, which didn't come until 2009, if they wanted to buy the same properties back, they would have had had to pay more for them than what they sold them for. So trying to pick the market's not a great um, strategy. <laughs> uh, so back to the article, they didn't buy and large, they did not buy and large, hold on trying to pick the market peak, something seasoned investors don't need to do when the focus is yield and capital base management more than medium or short-term capital gains. Braver investors will be looking at developers who will no longer be getting financing from their bank, but they'll be competing against Kayanga Aura, which is trying to boost social housing stock from the current 4% to 8% as recommended by the OECD. So I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because Kayanga Aura have long had a policy where they don't pay more than 5% above market value, which means that Essentially, if they're going to be looking at purchasing development stock that, that the investors can't get financing from the bank for, uh, they could potentially be propping up those uh, the values on, in the housing market uh, by doing that. Note that if average house prices fall 20%, the social housing stock will still be just 4% of the total. If prices fall 50%, the proportion will remain at 4%. Not Nobody's saying that the housing market's going to drop by 50%, so don't panic. Uh, falling prices currently underway do not change the housing situation for those most in need of housing assistance. Alexander anticipates long-term investors to put in low offers on properties towards the end of this year when interest rates are higher. In fact, we're seeing that happening already. Uh, we've seen some, some recent rental returns that clients of ours have been getting that are, are higher, even in Auckland, than we've seen for a long time. So those opportunities for negotiating are definitely there now. Right. Um, other influencing factors we need to look out for include the brain drain, a weaker global economy and the wave of vendors capitulating to market changes. Because most first home buyers lack experience in property market cycles, they won't likely be back in droves until 18 to 24 months from now. And by that stage, we'll be well into the next recovery and boom when that happens. Alexander believes that because of the rate at which the market is cooling, the Reserve Bank might ease LVR restrictions within the next 12 months. 
And that may start as early, that might start an early return of first home buyers making a purchase at exactly the point in the cycle which is most beneficial to them. So it is absolutely going to be interesting to see when the Reserve Bank does start lifting those restrictions because essentially the lenders and lending criteria at the moment is doing the heavy lifting for the Reserve Bank as far as taking the heat out of the housing market. So the LVR restrictions are not necessarily uh, required anymore. Um, but obviously the Reserve Bank's going to want to lift those restrictions in a slow process just to make sure that they don't overly stimulate the housing market again before time. So as I mentioned before, uh, bank lending criteria is extremely tight at the moment and that is doing a lot of the, the slowdown in the property market. There's still a lot of uh, desire out there to purchase, just not necessarily the ability to get lending to purchase. If you're in a situation where you can get lending, now is a great time to go house hunting, whether you're a home buyer or an investor. But again, just make sure that as an investor, you're buying based on the fundamentals. If you want to learn more about those fundamentals, come along to one of our free events, which I mentioned earlier. Register via our website, propertyapprentice.co.nz, and I'll see you there, either online or in our office in Ellerslie. Fourth topic for today, landlords.co.nz on the 15th of June, the housing market continues to take a battering. You've got to love headlines like this, don't you? So according to the latest Rhines market data or REINZ market data, the housing market was in another bloodbath in May. Higher interest rates, tighter lending conditions and a sharp increase in housing supply are pushing down on the market. Sales are notably taking longer to complete and houses are taking longer to sell. House prices are now down 6% from last November's peak and sales across the country are down 28.4% on last year. The national median selling price dropped by 35,000, a whole 35,000, so hardly a bloodbath, from 875,000 in April to 840,000 and a month-on-month drop by 4%. The median property price for New Zealand, excluding Auckland, dropped 3.3% from 755,000 in April to 730,000 in May. The median price in Auckland's expensive central suburbs dropped from 1.3 million in April to 1.18 million in May. That's a $120,000 decline. So now that's starting to look a bit more significant and closer to the 10% mark that Tony Alexander mentioned earlier. In the North Shore, but again, remember these are medians. Uh, so yeah. You've always got to be a little bit aware about the difference between medians and what's actually happening in the market. Across the whole of Auckland region, there was negative growth. The median price across Auckland regions dropped 13.5% since its peak of 1.3 million in November last year. And in the six months prior, median property prices had increased by 13%. So essentially, we're back to where values were in about November, back to those median values that we had back in November. The only region to achieve record median price is the West Coast, reaching 395,000, up by 30.8% from 302,000 at the same time last year. So isn't it interesting that at this stage in the cycle, we always tend to see completely opposite reports in the media. One article will talk about record prices achieved in the West Coast and another one talks about record drops. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so always interesting. So this was the first record price in the region since December 2021. Overall, the month had the least number of record median prices during a May month since 2019. Now, in my opinion, uh, I don't think that the West Coast is a great place to invest for long-term investing. Populations are too small and shrinking in size, so they don't stack up to the fundamentals for investing, in my opinion. All right, fine if you want to live there, but um, not for rental properties, just not enough demand or underlying fundamentals to support that. The REINZ House Price Index, which is the, the indicator that we tend to pay closer attention to, that fell 0.8%, which is the sixth consecutive month, monthly fall, and annual house price growth slowed to below 4%. Since peaking in November, the seasonally adjusted house price index has fallen by 6%. So the reason that we look at the house price index as opposed to medians or averages is because the house price index covers off a range of different properties at different price points. So it's a much more accurate indication as to what's actually happening in the property market. Seasonally adjusted sales fell across the country in the month and were down 28.4% on a year ago. The median number of days to sell has increased from 39 days to 40 days and the supply of listings continues to increase as buyers wait on the sidelines. The rapid cooling of the market is being attributed to rising interest rates. The REINZ Chief Executive Jen Baird says that the seasonally adjusted figures from April indicated greater drop than expected. Median prices in the regions have come off their peak and Auckland is the only region to see an annual decrease in median price down 2.2% on the same period last year. Kiwi Bank believes that the current fall in house prices and the indicators mentioned still do not reveal the lowest points of the current cycle. The bank estimates a fall of 10 to 11% in house prices towards the end of this year before a muted recovery late next year. So it will be interesting to see. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just making educated guesses. My, in my opinion, I'll be surprised if real values drop more than 10%. I think the underlying demand is still there. It's just, like I said, inability to get lending at the moment. And we don't have the economic pain at this stage either. I mean, obviously, all that could change if we go into a recession. So last but not least, we've got landlords.co.nz on the 13th of June. Landlords should be focusing on higher yields. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like that's basic fundamentals of investing. You don't invest for things that you've got no control over. So don't invest for things like capital growth or, or tax benefits. You've got no control over that. So anyway, in this article, CoreLogic Chief Property Executive, Property, sorry, Chief Property Economist Calvin Davidson believes that capital gains will be harder to come by for property investors in the next coming years. And because of this, he's advocating that landlords pay attention to cost control, rent increases and purchasing properties with the highest yields for the lowest risk. According to Davidson, some of the key drivers of returns in recent years, for example, strong capital gains and positive monthly cash flow, especially over 2020 and 2021, have been dramatically reduced. He said that the next four or five years will be a quiet time for capital gains. 
He explains that with average property values falling and in comparison to the 2008-2009 financial crisis, even after the market has reached the bottom, it could still take years to regain the recent peak in house prices. In the latest CoreLogic Market Pulse report, Calvin Davidson thinks that in this environment, it's no surprise that investors will be focusing on yields, trying to buy properties that have the highest rent in relation to their purchase price, although within their tolerance for risk. And the national average gross property yield is now just 2.6%, which is why we never focus on the averages, because you can certainly do a lot better than that. And the average standard two-year fixed mortgage rate at the moment is 5.6%. The negative yield gap, just in those figures above, of negative 3% is the biggest since mid-2010, or in other words, the least favourable position for property yields versus mortgage costs for more than a decade after a period in 2020-2021 when it was beneficial for investors. It's also worth noting term deposit rates for durations of at least a year are now generally back at 3% or more, and flows of money into term deposits have started to pick up again after previous outflows. Davidson suggests that investors need to narrow down their guidelines for purchasing according to yield and property types. And like this is something that we've now been saying for 12 years. So it's, it's all about the numbers. It's not about things that you've got no control over. So back to the fundamentals, people. Starting with apartments and a minimum threshold for a number of properties, Davidson says for a fairly typical two-bedroom property, there are still a few areas with gross yields of at least 4.5%, such as Auckland's Newton Grafton and Central West and Wadestown Thorndon in Wellington. One of the things that you need to be aware of with the apartment market is that the net yields can be significantly different from apartment building to apartment building. So when you're looking at, at properties with body corps, for example, and other high expenses, you need to be looking at the net yield as opposed to the gross yield. For two bedroom flats, for example, some parts of Christchurch still have yields of at least 4%. For three-bedroom houses, again, yields of 4% or more are still conceivable in parts of the main centres, such as Christchurch and Dunedin, as well as Gisborne and Whanganui. He says new builds are clearly an option, giving the ability to keep claiming mortgage interest deductions from tax, as well as their exemption from the 40% deposit requirement under the loan-to-value rules. I beg to differ there. Sorry, <laughs> hate to disagree with you. I love your work, Calvin, but I hate to disagree with you on that one. On the opposite end of the spectrum, Davidson cites three-bedroom properties that have yields between 2% in a number of Auckland suburbs such as Remuera, Westmere, Surrey Crescent, St Heliers, Glendowie and Greylin Arch Hill, all at 1.7%. Regardless of present market conditions, he believes that there's always bargains for investors, especially if the purchase price is discounted or if they're skilled at renovations. And that is something that he's absolutely nailed there. This is the market that if you don't know how to negotiate, you need to learn because instead of being able to just pay market value, and sucking up the negative cash flow that results from that, this is the market where you can negotiate significant from vendors who are motivated to sell for one reason or another. Obviously, not all vendors will be motivated to sell, but those that are, you can actually pick up some good deals out there at the moment. 
As a matter of fact, downturns are the perfect time to buy for investors and would-be investors will be breathing a little easier on the back of the Reserve Bank's decision to push out any formal caps on debt-to-income ratios till at least mid-2023. It's obviously become more complicated and costlier to become a landlord given changes such as healthy homes legislation and the extra difficulty in removing bad tenants, but good management can help reduce that risk. And there's a number of other things that you can do to reduce that risk as well. On top of that, says Davidson, mortgage rates have risen sharply. And although an interest-only loan can reduce the servicing payments for the first year or two, no principal is being paid off and the property may require a top-up out of other income anyway. And to be fair, a positive outcome he sees from an investor's point of view is that rents continue to rise at about 6 to 7% annually. But given that tenants' wages won't increase at the same rate or don't increase at the same rate, there should be a limit to how high and how long rents will rise. And again, I think he's nailed that one. Um, We are experiencing rent increases at the moment, but at some point it will become an affordability issue. So that tends to be the point where tenants will move in with other family members. So hopefully we don't get back into a situation where we end up with overcrowding in rental properties because that's not good for anybody. But it is one of those unfortunate or unforeseen circumstances that can happen when market rents do increase faster than wages. CoreLogic's buyer classification data shows that the proportion of mortgaged multiple property owners decreased over the last year, but at 23 to 24%, they haven't abandoned property altogether. In the same way, there's no definite signs that existing investors are selling their properties at a faster rate either. This can be attributed to the Brightline test, and also those who've been in the market a while tend to have smaller mortgages and therefore are less affected by higher interest rates. For existing landlords who've held property for longer, the pressure's much more subtle. Davidson said it wouldn't be surprising to see some properties listed from existing investors if they're outside of their brightline period in the medium term. He said that hanging in for long-term capital gains is one thing, but sustaining cash losses on a yearly basis in the meantime may not be palatable for some investors for too long, especially given the loss ring fencing rules too. So this is something that, again, we've been saying for about 12 years. There's nothing that sucks the fun out of investing faster than having to top a rental property up out of your own back pocket at the same time that values are dropping. So one of the things that you can do to reduce the risk of house prices dropping, dropping after you've purchased, is to make sure that you negotiate really hard on that purchase price to begin with, make sure the numbers make sense for you financially, and then by negotiating a discount off market value, you've factored in a safety buffer there, and then if you can increase the value of that property as well through renovation, for example, that just increases your safety buffer even further. So thanks for tuning in for this week in review. We'll look forward to seeing you again next week or at one of our upcoming free events, propertyapprentice.co.nz. Thanks for listening.